All right then, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here in the studio at Crossway Church on a beautiful Friday morning. We are going to begin a new teaching session today. We're going to begin to study the book of Jude. So you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. Uh, we've also started a, a something new as far as those of you who donate online. You can continue to use PayPal if you'd like. But you can also text your giving to the number 903-231-5950. It's a great way. It's an easy way to give, even for those who don't do the Internet and all that stuff. You just type the phone number in and write give and the amount, and it'll ask you one time for your information. And then the next time it'll just be give and the amount and, and it'll, it'll take off. It's very simple, very easy. People are already beginning to use it uh, because everybody's got a cell phone, but not everybody uses the Internet with computers and all that stuff. So uh, you can always find uh, everything we teach and preach and do here at Crossway Church on our YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Uh, you can also find us on, on the app. Let me see what it is. Sometimes I forget. It's called Podcast. If you have that app, just type my name in, Curtis Hutchinson, and you will find us there. Uh, with different avenues, the Romans teaching that's ongoing every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, and then later it's uploaded to those sites I gave you, as well as this Friday morning teaching. And one last thing about the avenues of, of broadcast that we put these teachings and preaching sessions out to you is, is called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. -E -E That's an app that you can get on your computer or your smartphone and uh, just type my name in, but our channel is called For Those Who Have Ears to Hear. And there's over 250 messages on there, and everything we do now, everything we do, whether we're here or away, uh, it's a worship service, my preaching, teaching, or these sessions, I put it on Spreaker because if something happens to the camera, something happens to the, uh, the, the technology that we have, it'll always be there in audio form for you to go and listen to. And again, that's the Spreaker app. And just type in Curtis Hutchinson, or you can type in for those who have ears to hear. Anyway, praise God. We look forward to being with the uh, pastors past, uh, Patrick and Rosalind Hatter this weekend in Junction City, Arkansas. If you're anywhere near there, we uh, would look forward to meeting you. If you love the gospel, we love to preach it to you. Praise God. So... And uh, don't forget to pray for our other church, Crossway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas, that meets the second weekend every month uh, on a Friday night at 7 and Saturday morning from 10 to 12. But in July, we're meeting from Thursday, July the 11th, through Sunday morning, July the 14th. My son Andrew will be preaching the Thursday night, July the 11th, and then Friday night, uh, pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass will be ministering that night and Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, Pastor Tommy Wiedelman from Tuttle, Oklahoma will be uh, preaching. And then I'll close it out on uh, Sunday morning. So I encourage you, get the word out. Help us get the word out that there is a gospel preaching, spirit-filled gospel preaching, which means the message of the cross, cross-preaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, we'll appreciate that very much. Okay, 
If you got your Bibles, we're turning to, to the book of Jude, the, the book right before the book of Revelation. And we will go through this, and that's where we're going to be in the next few, however long it takes to get through Jude. I don't think it's a very long book at all. Uh, it's not like Galatians and Ephesians. It took us uh, a year and a half to get through each of those. And, uh, but this is the letter, this is the book the Lord is stirring in my heart, and we're going to study this. We're not just going to get up and read it to you. We're going to study this, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring uh, the Scriptures, the Word, uh, into this teaching as He faithfully does, because it's only the truth that can reveal uh, the truth. It's only, uh, only the Word of God can define and bring the understanding of the Word of God. Uh, men's opinions and men's thoughts don't, don't mean one iota. Uh, we need to know what the Word says so that we can know what the Word says. That's a good saying. I need to say it again. We need to know what the Word says so we'll know what the Word says and means. The Word defines the Word. I don't, I don't need you. You don't need me. The Word of God defines the Word of God, and the Spirit of God has to be the one doing that. And Jesus said he, when He comes, He's going to reveal the truth to you, the truth of God's Word. Amen. So Jude is where we'll be, but before we dig in this morning, I, I want to quote, uh, just remind you of what the disciples, when they asked Jesus... Uh, when he's telling them all these signs in Matthew 24, he, you, it's where you can find this, all these signs, what are going to be the signs? And Jesus is telling them all about the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilence, and all these things that are steadily increasing in our world today. Uh, but when they ask him, what is going to be the sign of your coming in the end of this age, Jesus answers them with this statement, take heed that no man deceive you. That was the first words out of his mouth. Yeah. And what is he telling them there? That the sign of my coming, the sign of the end of this age, because the world has no end, but the sign of the closing out of this age goes along also with what he taught about when he comes, it's going to be as in the days of Noah. What was in the days of Noah? People were just eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and they didn't give one iota of, a, of thought about that preacher of righteousness that was over there preaching. They didn't, th they didn't consider the coming uh, flood of God's wrath that had been promised through the preacher of righteousness. They were just going about their business and nobody was concerned about God's righteousness. Well, if you look around, you'll see that today. People are very religious as I'm sure the people in Noah's day were. Very religious to some way, in some degree, but as far as being concerned about God's righteousness, they weren't. And the same thing's happening today. But the sign is the great deception. And I'm saying these things because that's really what the book of Jude is about. It's about deception being so rampant and there being such a, a, a great falling away and that's what the Bible teaches and we'll cover some of those scriptures in a few moments. It, the, the Bible does not talk about a great revival in the last days. 
It talks about a great falling away. It talks about those waxing cold from love and being seduced. And, and the warnings are on every page, really, of the Bible that we never saw until God was able to get us back to Calvary. People don't, the Christians don't even know that when they open their Bibles on one side of the page, this side or this side, or both, there's warnings. You'll find them. If, if, if your faith is in Calvary, uh, you're walking in the narrow path, and while you're walking in the narrow path, you're going to see that there's warnings from God everywhere. The first promise God gave to man came with a warning. You're free to eat all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat off that tree because if you do, you'll die when you eat off. Warning. First words out of his mouth was a promise and a blessing and a warning. John 3.16 even has a warning in it of perishing for all those that won't believe in Christ. Every page of the Bible has warnings. And if we don't heed those warnings, we will be caught up on the wrong side of the coin in these last days as multiple millions have been in this church age. It's going to take you, it's going to require you following Christ through faith in His sacrifice and that alone for you to be able to stand against all the heresies that are out there. And that's really what Jude's about. It's about, it's about clinging to this common salvation, the only salvation God has offered humanity in the midst of great apostasy. That's what this letter's about. And you can't just write it off. People can hear these teachings. and It's amazing how every Christian that hears this teaching thinks they're in that little minority remnant and everybody else must be off track. Listen, if you're listening to me today, you've either been brought back to faith and grace, which is exclusive faith in the cross, or you're off track. I'm just going to tell you right up front because I love you. Your faith is not right if it's not in the cross of Christ alone. You're off track. You're not in the right church if you're sitting under a preacher who's not opening the Bible and pointing you to what's been offered to you freely through faith in the blood of Jesus. You're not in the right place. You've thrown multiple dollars away offering to that with your own excuses, maybe even in ignorance, but today you're going to hear the truth. You're going to hear in these sessions what this letter, which is the Word of God, it's more than the words of Jude, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost who gave this man these words to write. And when you begin to ex accept that it's more than Paul and Jude, that it's Jesus Christ giving His Spirit the words to say so that His people can make it all the way enduring unto the end so that we might be completely saved in the end. Because it's only those who endure to the end that's going to be saved. That means those who end up at the finish line whose faith is still in Christ, they're the only ones going to make it. I can't help the heresy of all these, uh, these things that are taught today, but they're, all the heresies that are taught are taught because men's faith is not in the sacrifice. You've got to think about that because Galatians chapter 5 reveals that heresy is a work of the flesh. It's one of the works of the flesh mentioned there. Think about that. Heresy is a work of the flesh. Why is that? Because all heresy is tied to some lust of our flesh that wants something in a way that God hadn't provided for us to have it. 
even if it's something legitimate we know we should have, be operating in, but if we're trying to get it outside of faith in the sacrifice, then it's the flesh. And Romans 8 and 8 says, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because that's not faith, that's flesh. Amen. Y'all good this morning? Y'all all right? I was listening to a song before we got in here this morning. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. I've been saying it for four or five days now. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. The only one soul who's going to catch on fire is those that get back to the place where the fire is revealed, and that's at Calvary. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let me read some of these things to you. Before we dig into verse 1, Every move of God's Spirit will encounter the spirit of Antichrist and the result will always be apostasy for many. Think about that. Every true move of God will also, the devil doesn't just sit by and go, man, man, the Lord's given them the truth and, and I can't do anything about it. Well, he can't do anything about those who cling to this common salvation and live in victory that was victory over not only him, the devil, but the world and the flesh. He can't do anything about that but, but, but throw lies at it. It's all he can do is try to hinder it, but he can't stop it. Victory is ours in Jesus. And he can't take it if we cling to that nail-scarred hand and that alone. But every time God has moved throughout the ages, whenever God has moved, the devil moves with him. It's like the early 1900s when the, 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 the truth of the baptism with the Holy Spirit came back on the scene. The church, many in the church began to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Well, the devil came in right along beside him, something the church never even realizes or is on guard about. And listen, he's got a fake feeling. He's got fake tongues. Everything God offers freely, the devil, the devil is offering in a counterfeit measure, in a counterfeit counterfeit way. There's a false feeling. There is there are tongues that not of God. Folk need to wake up today. Every true move of God comes with a, a, a true, or I should I say a false and the result of him uh, planting tares in the midst of the wheat that's growing is apostasy. Because many Christians are seduced and, and, and caught off guard and they forget to keep their faith in the cross or they don't even know they have to, like many. And they're caught off guard and all these, the purpose driven, the words I speak, the government of twelve, and I always mention those, that's just a few. It could be something as simple as thinking that I have to wear a certain color shirt or socks, that same pair of socks every Friday, that superstitious witchcraft. If our faith is in anything other than the shed blood, the death of Jesus, then our faith is not biblical. And we're walking in deception, the Bible says. If I only sit and listen to the Word and I don't become a doer of the Word, I'm deceiving my own self. Let me mention the devil there. I'm deceiving my own self. And I, want to, and I want to remind us of this again. I think I brought it out last Friday because of what we're talking about. Every time there's a true move of God, uh, it'll, be, it'll be God offering the truth. That, that's the move of God. It may be the truth of the baptism with the Holy Spirit and, and people 
get filled with the Spirit. It may be the truth that comes from God's Word, the only place truth can come from, about healing. And people begin to get healed. But it will always be based on the truth of God's Word. And wherever God is moving, the enemy's going to come in to the meetings as well. He's not outside looking in. He's in the house. He's going right along with everything so he can put his lies in to make you think you're living for God when you're not. You're alive, but you're dead. You're, you, you, find, you think you're walking and living in grace, but you're not. He's good at what he does that's bad. Amen. Now, so think about this. And I mentioned it last Friday. It's really something to think about. The Lord showed it to me uh, uh, last week one day that... He gave the revelation of the cross to the Apostle Paul, the greatest revelation in the history of in all of God's Word, what really happened at Calvary. What really happened there, more than a man dying, more, more than that, uh, that he was Jesus, he was the Son of God, he died for our sins, okay, that's great. But listen... And that'll get you to heaven if you believe that. But there's a whole lot more to know that we didn't know until God gave Paul more to know about us being crucified with him. Buried with him, raised to newness of life in him so that you and I could reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin and live in victory daily. That was not known. But the greatest revelation given to man through the Apostle Paul was given to the church in Rome. That later, because when that revelation went into Rome, guess who went in there with it? What he wants to do is keep the lost lost and cause those that are saved to begin to live unsaved. Even if he can deceive them and make them think they're living saved, if their faith is not in the cross, they are not living saved. They've only got that outer form, but they're denying the power. Amen. So when God sent that revelation of the cross through the Apostle Paul, letter form, to the church at Rome, eventually, not long after, the church in Rome turned into what we know today as the Roman Catholic Church. The greatest move of God offered man eventually turned into the greatest move of the devil on the planet. What's the greatest move of the devil on the planet? It's not abusing children and drunks. It's people who try to, try to claim that they represent God who are actually representing the devil. Think about people in Jesus' day. They were the ones that thought they represented God and were actually here on the earth to represent God as Israel. But Jesus told them in John chapter 8, your daddy is the devil. What? See, it always takes somebody standing up for the truth. In that case, it was the truth, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it would be Paul, and then it would be men throughout the ages. And I'm reading a book, I've told you about it, called God's Generals by Robert Slardin, and a fabulous book about the... Now, don't, don't, listen, don't write that off. You'll either grab a hold of it or you'll miss out and you'll be on the wrong side of this coin in these last days. But these, these men that God sticks in the scene, He brings on the scene 
such as the, 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 the Seymour guy with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and some of these other men throughout the ages. God brings them on the scene, but why He's allowed, why he's allowed to bring them on the scene is because they've received His truth. Every true move of God is going to have the, the emphasis being about justification and sanctification all in Christ and what He did at Calvary. Outside of that, you can forget it. You can mark it off when they claim they're having revivals in Florida, revivals in North Carolina, and you go there to check it out. What people are really doing is gathering every night to hear that music. Would you, how would you feel at the end of your days that, and many people have told me this, oh, I just love Brother Swaggart's station on TV. I just love that music. And they're missing why he's on TV. It ain't about the music. Thank God. Best music on the planet. But if that's all I'm getting, I've missed the boat. Why he's on television is because he is the one God has used in this, in this last reformation that we are in back in 1997 or thereabouts that he poured in through him. Not only are you justified alone by faith in the cross, but you are exclusively sanctified by faith in the cross. And it won't, nothing else will the Holy Spirit work through except that biblical faith in the cross. And we're in another reformation. But guess what? The devil comes right along in beside it. And what's he do? He raises up something that will cause God's people to turn and go into it and bring about apostasy in their lives. What is that? One of those things is, and we're talking about since the second reformation started, of being sanctified and living for God and having the provision of God through faith in Christ and His sacrificial work alone. What is that? One of those things is that false grace revolution that's being taught by men who say the right words about getting saved, but then they start teaching people that in the church you don't have to repent. Well, let me tell you something. When you don't think you have to repent, you've apostatized. You have apostatized. I don't care what part of the gospel you get right about what saved you. If you're not getting right that which how you live, eventually you might even forsake that which saved you. If you're being told you don't have to repent, my friend, I don't care how good that guy's teaching is. If you're being told you don't have to repent, when the Bible tells the church to repent, the church, you've already apostatized if you're believing that because you're going in the wrong direction that's not a direction the Holy Spirit will lead. The Holy Spirit only leads us in the, the light of the Word of God as it is truth. Think about that. Think about it. You better think about it. It's your soul that's on the line. Every true move of God has had a move of the devil. That's just the way it is. God sent Moses into Egypt and the people, after the hardships were placed on them because they were offered freedom, they began to say, I, I just want to stay here in our slavery. Let me tell you something. When God shows up in a true way, He shows up to deliver you and begin to apply to your life freely through your faith in Christ. Doesn't mean there's not going to be all hell break loose, because it is. Yes, 
People in your own house not going to understand it and want it to stop. Why have you changed? We used to get together and everything was different back then, but now you have caused all this ruckus. That's what they told Moses. Look at what you've done, Moses. No, God was trying to get them out of there. And every step of the way, there were gripers. When he got them out to the Red Sea, they rose up and said, well, my Lord, what you brought us out here, Moses, to kill us. You could have left us in Egypt. At least we had leeks and onions and fat back. And... Listen, God don't want you to stay in your bondage, but to get you out, He's going to do it. But while He's doing it, the cross is not a comfortable place. We don't get comfortable on the cross. I need to say that again. This message is not a comfortable message to preach or believe it. Or, most importantly, the cross is not a comfortable message to experience. It's a life of change through, through faith in Christ and, and what He did for us on the cross and our humility to God, which can only be by faith in the cross. Because if our faith's not in the cross, we're not humble. We think we are. We may have a sweet, polite personality and yes ma'am, no ma'am might open the doors for folk. That ain't humble in God's eyes. God says He gives grace to the humble and God's grace is God doing something and He don't do anything as far as salvation, any part of it, unless we're believing in Christ and His sacrificial work. Think about that. Mm. Well, I'm teaching better than your amen it's on fire around here. So every move of God, every move of God's Spirit will encounter the spirit of Antichrist and the result will always be apostasy for many because it is always many, it is always many, the deception is greater as man has a tendency to trust in the majority instead of simply trusting God's Word. What do we do when we're trying to believe something and we don't even know we're doing it, but we're looking for people who will believe that too? Just take for instance, if I, if I don't want to give tithes and offerings to the church, I'm going to go get online and I'm going to find me some more people that don't think we need to either. If I, if I don't, listen, if I don't want to be that consecrated to God, but I, you know, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be that consecrated. I still want to use certain language and I still want to go to certain places. What am I going to do? I'm going to go find people that are in that sinful way myself. We don't even know we do that as human beings, but we're looking for people who are like us. You're doing it whether you know it or not. When you move to a new town, who are you looking for? Yeah. People like you. Yeah, that's true. When you're looking for a church, yeah. who are you looking for? People like you. People that believe like you. Right, right. So, and we have a tendency to believe that because most people are believing that. Mm -hmm. Well, you better be careful because mm -hmm. if all of a sudden a storm came along and blew your little hind end all the way over to India... Would you turn into a uh -uh. 
a Buddhist or a Muslim, if a, if, a, if a flood came through like it did years ago in Louisiana and washed a lot of people from one place miles away or they had to be bussed out of there and you ended up in Utah, would you become a Mormon? In the midst of an entire state that's predominantly Mormon, would you become a Mormon because that's the majority? When you couldn't buy property, when you couldn't buy a house, when you couldn't get a good job because you're not a Mormon, would you remain a Christian? Would you continue to contend for the faith in the midst of a people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions, who just don't believe like you? Because we have a tendency to join up with the crowds. I don't know about crucifying. And then you wake up about three days later and almost the whole city is hollering crucifying, crucify Him and wondering why you're not. Why is she not crying crucify Him? So you either choose to join in crucify Him or you choose to be crucified with But you make the choice. Apostasy is rampant today. It's rampant. 99, and I believe it with all my heart, the new reformation, let me say it this way, the, the, the illumination of God's Word that has come into this second reformation is revealing so much years to hear. That's why phrases like 99.9% come out of my mouth when I say that many of God's people are off track and out of true biblical faith. Doesn't mean they would ever deny what Jesus did at Calvary to save their soul, but it does mean 99.9% if you press them, you would find out their faith for this or that provision, that deliverance, this aspect of God's salvation is not in that. It's in something they do. 99.9%. Why would someone keep sitting under a minister after they've received this illumination of God's Word that's not teaching and preaching this Word? Because they're in the majority. They're being led by a majority. Just because you can say what's right doesn't mean you're following what's right. And somebody said amen apostasy, when you look it up, and that's what this book is all about, clinging to the common salvation in the midst of great apostasy. We're living in that right now, greater than ever before. Greater than ever before. I know we read back about when there wasn't Bibles. But listen, there's greater deception now, folk with Bibles. Because now we've got the Word and now the devil, he was mad when John Wycliffe went through all he went through by the Spirit of God to get Bibles out. He was mad when Martin Luther rose up and both those men went against the the Roman Catholic Church which was the majority. He was mad when John Wycliffe was in the process of getting the Bible translated for the common people like us to have it. He was mad when Martin Luther rose up and said, we're justified by faith alone. He was mad. But when the Bibles were distributed, because, well, well, now he's got to have another plan. What's that plan? Same plan he's really always had, to distort what God is saying. 
Same lie began with. Did God really say? When you go outside that Bible, the reason you're going outside that Bible for your, for your uh, direction is because you're hearing another voice saying, did God really say? Every one of the men and women and children, if children are doing this on the planet today, and I'm sure they are, who says God is speaking more than what's in the Word and, you, and, and, and the church is really the final authority of what the Bible really says and, and all these things, that's because they're being led by that voice who says, did God really say? So now, there's more deception now than ever before with Bibles printed all over the world. Because deception is deception. With or without the Bible, your faith is either in Christ and what He did at Calvary, or it's not. It's in you. Or something else. Some rock. Amen. I like what John Wycliffe brought up in his day to the Catholic uh, people he came against. He said, if you think the wafer and the wine, the bread and the wine actually turn into Jesus, then why aren't you worshiping a vine? He also was the vine. Why aren't you worshiping rocks? He said he was the rock. So does that mean all the rocks turn into Jesus? Does that mean that vine out there could be Jesus? And in the midst of reading this history about this, God spoke to me the other day on the way up to the church and He said, Jesus, anything that's made, Jesus wasn't made with anything of men. So when I claim that that piece of bread and that wine turns back into Jesus, I'm claiming that that wine that men made, that bread that men made, turned back into Jesus. See how dumb that is? Jesus was not made and did not become what He became by the hands of any man. So you see how stupid to think that that bread and that wine is really Jesus. It can't be, number one, because men made that bread and that wine. And Jesus was not made by the hands of men. Glory to God. See how simple in kindergarten this can be? If we just think, Uh think, it's what we don't want to do. So the word apostasy, which really, again, that's what... This book, this letter is mainly about so that you, if you don't recognize apostasy, you won't be able to cling to the common salvation. And I know people say he wanted to start writing about the common salvation, but he, ought, he had to turn and start writing about apostasy. He, listen, and false teachers and all that, but I kind of put the two together, and I believe that's proper because, you, listen, unless you're clinging to the common salvation, the spirit of apostasy is going to carry you away. So he is talking about the common salvation, but he's also talking about apostasy. Because the common salvation is what brings the, uh, causes those to apostate to apostate. So watch this. Now the definition, the Webster's de- definition of apostasy is an abandonment of what one has voluntarily professed a total desertion and departure from one's faith. Principles are party, especially the renunciation of a religious faith. And I got news for you this morning. You can sit on the pew every week the rest of your life after you've departed from the faith. You can be in the back shouting amen to the preacher after you've departed from the faith. 
Because if he's not preaching the faith, then you're shouting and amening and sitting on a pew in a place where yes, they're using the Bible, but are they pointing to Christ and what He did at Calvary, the only object for your faith to be in? If not, you've already departed from the faith. Church don't like to hear that because of the great heresy that's out there, once saved, always saved. They're just totally wrapped up in, I don't care what I do or don't do, now that I'm a Christian, I believed in Christ, I can't ever walk away from that, I can't ever lose that. That's a, that's a lie. That's part of the heresy and the deception in these last days that will cause many to apostatize, to, to leave the faith. So, where there is a true move of God, it will always be centered on the truth of justification by faith and that everything the Lord is offering is freely given. That's the move of God, my friend. Not send $10 and God will heal you. That's not a move of God. That's a move of the flesh and lust for money. Because what God has given, one of the reasons God has given us His Spirit is so that we will know what He's freely offering us. Let's turn over, and I know this is kind of a long intro for Jude, but that's all right. Let's look at, is it 2 Corinthians 2.12? A point that in this study, that's not it, so it must be 1 Corinthians 2.12. Yes, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. It's not in my notes. It's just something the Lord is leading me to say today. Now, watch this. This needs to be highlighted. This needs to be memorized. This needs to be uh, something that's in our hearts. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I gotta have it because my neighbor's got it. Watch this. But the spirit which is of God. Why? It goes on to say that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Spirit of God will never lead you under the law of doing for the benefits of Calvary. It won't happen. So when ministers get on TV and say, if you'll send $10, God will heal your body. If you'll send $19.35, God will pay off all your bills if you'll do it today and send it by 2 p.m. That's what God told me to tell you. God ain't told him nothing. Because he's not in a place where he can hear God. And don't think that just because you're a Christian, you can hear God. You should be able to hear God, but if you read about the church in Sardis, Revelations 3, verses 1 through 6, you'll see that God tells them you have a name that you're alive, like you've really got it going on, but you're dead. I see you as dead, and you need to repent and come back to the place where you can hear and receive. That means the cross, faith and the sacrifice. The only place we can hear, the only place we can receive. That ought to clear up a lot of confusion. That ought to help somebody. And there's people finding the Word, like these sessions, online. You've been waiting on this all your life. You're being refreshed right now by the Spirit of God because He's showing you the Word. Not what some man, the Word. 
Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.18 says, They that are led of the Spirit are not under the law. Under the law we can only work according to the flesh and it's under the law that a preacher would tell us to send money in and God would heal us. It's under the law that we would believe that. It's not under grace. Under grace is about what God did in Christ at Calvary and what I get today freely because of my faith in that work alone. The, I love the Word of God. But I wanted you to see this Scripture because it's He gave you, He gave us His Spirit so that we would know we don't have to die. Whatever God's got for me, it is freely given. Jesus taught that. What you freely received, freely give. It's free. People talking about you got to buy it, you got to give money as an act of faith and for God will move. No, Jesus... Jesus is my act of faith. I just have to believe from the heart upon Him and His work at Calvary. And then through that, God gives me all the grace I need, all the everything I need, and it's all free. I don't have to work for it. It's already been worked for. It's all, I like that. It's all, that don't mean I can just go out and live in sin. Now, no, there's a, there's a greater demand under grace than there ever was under law. But it's all free. Hallelujah. Oh, this is good stuff. Amen. Amen. So don't for, don't ever forget that. Amen. When you're feeling out, when you when you're down, and you're feeling like God's just not moving in your life, the devil. Listen, the first thing the devil is going to whisper in your ear is, "Well, you ought to be doing more of this." Mm-hmm. And listen, that may be a factual statement, yes. but remember, we don't live by facts. We live by faith. And faith comes by hearing the truth of God's Word. God's Word as truth. Because it's truth that liberates us. Think about that. The devil, if you're feeling, well, I just, you know, I just, you know, I'm feeling bad. I I just, you know, I'm I'm not experiencing what I know I should be experiencing. The devil's going to rush in. And he's going to tell you, you ain't doing enough. Because he wants you to think you can work and then God will owe you and pay you. Not one human being is going to be found in the eyes of God in that place that He will pour His grace out on. Amen. Well, how far have we come? Boy, we've come a long way. Matthew 24, verses 11 and 12 Now, I know this is just an intro today. We hadn't even got to verse 1. But we're laying an intro about what Jude really is about. It's about you and I being able by faith in Christ and His sacrificial work to cling to that common salvation. There is no other salvation. It's the one salvation that's common to all who will believe in the time in the midst of great apostasy. Matthew 24.11 says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now let's look at that for a minute and uh, let's talk about that because in these last days, Sorry about that. In these last days, you and I who've come back to faith in the cross, we didn't just decide to do it through many toils and snares. 
through many burdens and many grievous situations and much sin, God found us broken and brought us back to the place He functions, gives grace and mercy and empowers us and enlightens us by His Spirit according to the Word. Thank God for that. Thank God. You ought to rejoice every day that God found you broken. I'm talking about after you were a Christian and off track, He found you broken and seeking Him, seeking the reality. Why ain't it working? Why is it all? This doesn't, something's not right about it. And He found you seeking Him. And He began to reveal to you the truth of who He is and what He did for you at Calvary. But as we look at Matthew 24, 11, and 12, we'll see that it's through the false prophets that rise many are going to be deceived. And because many are deceived, iniquity abounds. While I'm deceived, iniquity is abounding. In deception, iniquity abounds. Deception is the place iniquity abounds. So upon that thought, and it is scriptural, if I'm only hearing the Word and not doing it, that means I'm deceived. The Bible says don't just be hearers but doers of the Word, deceiving your own selves. Those who hear and do not do the Word are deceiving them own selves. And they are in the boat where iniquity is abounding. Iniquity abounds in deception. That should have got a big amen. Amen. Prophets shall arise. This is is close to 2,000 years ago. You don't think there are many false prophets? Turn the TV on. Most people in almost every church in the world is sitting under a false prophet. I'm not saying that that some of them aren't saved, but, but a lot of them aren't. Even in the pulpit, we just, listen, we take things for granted too much. We think just because that looks like a church, it's got a steeple. You go in, there's people singing behind the, the platform. There's, they got something called Sunday school. They got this. And it has an appearance. They've got a preacher. They've got men on the platform. We just assume that is a church and God planted it and God is using it. Man, you better get that out of your mind. We're living in a day that many things have a form and have a name for themselves, but they are not operating in God's grace. They are dead. Now, I'm not going to go out there and start knocking on churches' doors or standing in their parking lot after church on Sunday and tell them all they're dead unless God tells me to, but He just might do that too in the days ahead. False prophets are going to arise. When they do... They're going to deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound through the deception the false prophets give, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many. Now he's talking about Christian peoples here because the world ain't got none. They don't have biblical love. Waxing cold means a departing from, a a walking away from, waxing cold. We're walking away from this. And the love of many will wax cold. Why? Because iniquity is abounding. Why? Because deception is abounding. Why? Because false prophets are lying. Where are the false prophets? They're in pulpits. Think about it. 
I can't help they're nice and sweet and hospitable and have paid your light bill and put gas in your car and given you food money for your children. I can't help all that. Doesn't mean they're not a false prophet. One of the avenues of the enemy is to take care of you flesh through the flesh. If you believe it's a move of God, He'll take care of you fleshly if that's what you put your faith in. How many people have been trapped when they, the preacher, the ministry has given them money to help them through a hard time and then God reveals to that person that preacher's not preaching the truth. Do you know how hard it is to leave now because of relationships? Yes. Now we're talking about this because we're talking about a time of apostasy where relationships will be used as, as an excuse to keep you from benefiting from this common salvation because you're more worried about a relationship than you are apostatizing. True. It's not about your relationship with somebody. It's about your relationship with Jesus. Amen, Brother Curtis. So, we really, we really need to think about these things. And again, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this session Christians can hear teachings like this and it amazes me that we all think we're the ones, we're that, we're that small dot that's right. Oh, remnant that's right. Oh, it's everybody else, not our church. Oh, God's moving in our church, is He? Because the devil counterfeits everything. What's deception for a Christian? To think I'm in a move of God and not be? That's one of the deceptions. To think because I, I know Scripture, can quote Scripture, even in your time of need, quote a Scripture that pertains to you. If I'm not pointing you to have faith in Christ and His work at Calvary, I can't help you. I'm deceived and I'm deceiving you. The Word of God is truth as long as it's in the context of Jesus who said He was the truth and what He did to liberate you. God's Word, the letters, the alphabet in that book cannot liberate you unless they point to the one that every jot and tittle is about. James said the law, that the, God's Word is the perfect law of liberty. But how can God's Word liberate me? Is it God's Word or is it what Christ did at Calvary? Here's where the rub comes to some people. Well, it ain't just about the cross. It's about God's Word. Can I tell you? You can't separate the two, but many are doing it in this last days of great apostasy. It's not all about the cross. It's all about God's Word. James said God's Word's the perfect law of liberty. But nobody can be liberated except through the blood of Jesus. Right. Initially and daily. Yeah. And when Jesus comes back riding on that white horse, the Bible says, just so nobody will make a mistake about it, and everybody will stop dividing things and separating things that shouldn't be divided, He's going to be wearing a, cloak, a, a vesture dipped in blood as a reminder, here I come on the white horse, I'm coming to rule and reign, I'm coming to take over, and it's still about the blood I shed. And His name is the Word of God. You can't separate them. When you do, you're moving toward apostasy. While claiming with your lips, you're clinging to salvation. If you're not trusting in the cross alone, you're not clinging to the common salvation. I'm telling you, 
if we knew how many were in that boat, we would probably be physically sick by lunch today. Physically sick if we knew how many people were actually already apostatized. If we really knew how many preachers were preaching that which is not truth that sets the captive free, we would be sick by lunch today. Sick. Unhealthily sick. It would be so grieving to us. Now, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is the last thing I have written before we jump into Jude. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. These things need to be discussed, explained, talked about, thought about, meditated on, contemplated with our minds and our hearts because we're living in a time that's greater deception than ever before. And I might add this, that every generation has been a greater time of apostasy. Apostasy only grows. Deception only grows. It's what Jesus said would be taking place at His coming. Great deception. Think about this. When Jesus comes, not the rapture, but when Jesus comes to save Israel, and He lands on that mountain, and that mountain splits, the Bible says, and He saves at the last moment a minute group of Jews. There is great... The greatest deception of all is at that moment. The greatest deception of all because the devil and all the world now believes that the Word of God is about to be proven a lie because all of Israel is about to be destroyed. And if all of Israel is destroyed and wiped off the map and there is no more Israel, then God is a lie. Because He's promised to preserve that line and to bless that line and to one day, Paul wrote, save the entirety of the Jews. So people are, man, they're right there. Because that's what really, humanity is all out to prove God don't exist. That's really what most scientists, there's a few Christians, but that's what most scientists are about going into space at the it's trying to prove that there ain't no God. Yeah. Yeah, the Bible says the heavens are the Lord's, the earth He gave to man. Why are we going up yonder? He didn't give us that. He gave us the earth. That's what the Bible The heavens are the Lord's. That's what the Bible says in some. The earth He gave to man. So right when Jesus comes back, man, they think they're about to prove God's a lie. The devil, woo! Deceived. He thinks he's going to win. You can be that deceived. But Jesus is going to come back, bust that mountain right in half, and, and deliver that remnant of God's people. And that deception that runs rampant is going to be washed away by the one who is truth. 
Think about this. After a thousand years of Jesus reigning on this planet, on earth, in Jerusalem, for 1,000 years, the devil is going to be released from that bottomless pit he's been bound in. And for a short season, the Bible says he's going to gather as many people as there are sands on the seashore again. That means most of humanity, after a thousand years of peace, no wars, no weapons for war, a time of peace, <coughs> grapes that big and... It, <laughs> tomatoes that big and watermelons so big you can't even take them home. you got to eat them right there where they're growing. It's a time of blessedness. But deception is going to be so rampant even <coughs> at that point the devil's going to be able to gather that almost all people again. Deception. Even after a thousand years of beautiful peace and prosperity. You ain't seen pretty grass till Jesus comes. And they're still going to rebel through deception. They're going to be deceived. What's Jesus going to do? When they all gather up and come against Him again, He's going to destroy them. He's going to judge them in His righteousness. He's going to make war against them in His righteousness and destroy them all. And you know there's one thing that won't be left after that moment. Deception. <laughs> Deception will be gone. I'm looking forward to that day. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Y'all are holding me up. Now the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God speaks expressly. That means pay attention. That in the latter times, are we living in the latter times? We have been since Jesus came. Some shall depart from the faith. Can I tell my friends who believe in once saved, always saved, you can't depart from the faith unless you've had the faith. That's kindergarten. Now, if you just got to stick with what grandma and grandpa taught you because your great-grandpa and grandma taught them and your great-great-grandma and grandpa taught them, you better walk away and believe the Word. If you can depart from the faith, that means you have had the faith, you've been in the faith. Don't try to bring the words of men's wisdom to this Scripture. If you can depart from something, that means you've been in something. Amen. Amen. What, why do they do it? Look, here it is. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, I know we hadn't got but a little over two minutes left, but I want to talk about this like we talked about the process in Matthew 24, 11, and 12 about false prophets through them deceiving many, causing the love of many to wax cold, and that is what allows the iniquity to abound. So here we see the Holy Spirit is saying, better listen up, you better pay attention, because I'm speaking expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. How do they do it? How, how, do, how, how do I depart from the faith? What's really going on in the place I cannot see with my human eye? Because with my human eye and my lips, I'm still honoring God. Jesus said you can do that and your heart be far from Him. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are not with me. They're far from me. So what's going on in the place I, I can't see? Because listen, you better not be living by what you can see. We live by faith in something you cannot see. So what's going on behind the scenes that causes people to depart from the faith is giving heed 
to a seducing spirit. A seducing spirit tells us a great bit. I'm being seduced. That means I don't know that I don't know. When you're being seduced, you're being sucked into something for a reason that you're not aware of. you got some other reason. You're not seeing that thing for what's really going on. You're seeing it in your own way, but you're not. you better see it how it really is. You're being seduced by seducing spirits because you have now begun to acknowledge something that's not the truth that can keep you in the faith. You're no longer acknowledging by faith in the cross of Christ that can keep you in this common salvation. When we move our faith from the cross, it's only because our lusting flesh is being seduced by seducing spirits and doctrines that are not the doctrines of the Bible unless they're twisted, but they're, we're being seduced by spirits. And it's doctrines of devils. Remember, <clears throat> Every move of God brings right along beside of it seducing spirits with doctrines of devils that will point you away from that form of doctrine that freed you from sin and made you a servant of righteousness. Romans 6, 17 and 18. Just when this was getting good, we're out of time. So we're going to stop here. And that was an intro to what the book of Jude is really about. And we're going to be diving into next Friday morning. So make sure you're here with us at 9 a.m. Central Time. If you're watching this at a later point, know that you could have watched this on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. <clears throat> but again, the, the YouTube channel is Curtis Hutchinson 316. The website is The Crossway Church. And the easy way for you to give is 903-231-231. I'm sorry, 903-231-5950. Right on your cell phone as a text. We love you. God bless you. See you next week. And until then, be determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you.